We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to this midweek episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you. Very much as always for locking in, whether you're listening to us on the audio side, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts from, or whether you're checking us out on video, Talking Buffalo YouTube channel. Appreciate you all very, very much. Thank you again for locking in today. This is our Wednesday episode. Don't need to tell you how big of a week this is for the Buffalo Bills, for Western New York, for Bills Mafia all over the world. A huge game looming here with the Kansas City Chiefs, the AFC Divisional Round game this Sunday at 6.30. Uh, I'm going to spend some time today giving you my biggest Buffalo Bills takeaways, kind of wrapping up, putting a bow, so to speak, on the Pittsburgh game. Some things that I really liked after re-watching the game, actually one and a half times, pretty much twice at this point. Uh, some things I liked, a couple things maybe I didn't. We're going to talk about the injuries, and then we're going to turn all the focus on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this is the start of what's going to be a big week here at Talking Buffalo. Tomorrow, tomorrow being Thursday, I'm going to have Anthony Marino on from Buffalo Rumblings as he's been on pretty much every week throughout the season, and we will deep dive into the Buffalo Bills-Kansas City game, uh, get his thoughts. And then we do our predictions, have a lot of fun with him on Thursday. Then on Friday, well, actually, depending on whether you're watching this on the video side or whether you're listening to this uh, on the audio side. On the audio side, it'll drop Friday morning. On the video side, live Thursday night, I'm going to have Nate Gary from WGR. He's going to be with me at Casey's Black Rock Tavern in Black Rock. And I'm looking forward to that show for. A couple of reasons. Uh, number one, Nate's my guy. I always love hooking up with Nate. We always have good conversations, fun times with him. Um, we're going to be banging out some wings at Casey's Black Rock, which is one of my favorite spots in Western New York. And here's the twist. Here's the interesting part. Nate and I are kind of going into uh, enemy territory. And I say that playfully, by the way, so to speak. Uh, Casey's Black Rock Tavern is actually a... Uh, a Chiefs backers bar. The owner is a lifelong Kansas City Chiefs fan. So we're going to do the show there. I'm going to get him on, maybe talk a little shit to him. My man, Vinny, by the way, shout out to Vinny at Casey's. I'm sure he's going to talk a little bit of shit back to Nate and I. So it's going to be a really good time. And uh, I'm looking forward to that very much. Like I said, Casey's Black Rock Tavern. I haven't been there for a show in quite a while. Have done some there in the past. I did a show there with um, Matt Perino before. I know I did a show with Joe Yurden there before, so I'm not new to the place or, or doing shows there. Just seems to have a little bit of extra meaning this week, playing the Kansas City Chiefs and this being uh, a Chiefs backer bar. And like I said, it's one of my favorite spots to go to all the time. In fact, I just had a birthday party, my, late, my last birthday party last year. I had a bunch of friends 
uh, meet up in Casey's Black Rock was the spot. So it's one of my favorite spots. I really don't give a shit. That is a Chiefs Backers bar. And there's some really nice, cool Chiefs shit there. Um, I don't play that shit. I don't care. I know some people got their panties in a bunch before the weather uh, ruined it anyway. But there was uh, a Pittsburgh Steelers backer party at um, Buffalo River Works. It was scheduled for last Saturday night. And not many, but some people lost their shit over that and were threatening to boycott the place because they were going to play host to Steeler fans, which I'm not going to go on another rant. I'm not going to get sucked into it. I said my piece last week. But to summarize what I said last week, if you're going to boycott a bar because they're having fans of another team there, then you're a piece of shit and you're a loser. It's, it's just as simple as that. Say the same thing about Casey's Black Rock. Vinny's my guy. The food there is great. The people there are great. Uh, the location is great. I just love everything about that. So anyway, that's going to be live Thursday night here on Talking Buffalo, on the video side anyway. And I do have to say, though, weather pending, because as I tape this late here on a, on a Tuesday night, this fucking snow is coming down hard again here in West Seneca. You know, I put out a, a Facebook status on Tuesday morning, and maybe I was intending to be funny, but in, in a way, I really wasn't. Like, I've about had it. We're living in the South Towns. I like the South Towns better than the North Towns, to be honest with you. And that's why I've lived out here for as many years now as I have, because I just like traffic better. I just, it just feels a little, I don't know. I just like the communities better in the South Towns. I feel like you can navigate better. Everything that I need, including family, is right in this area. Where, as in kind of the North Towns, it's just so much more congested and, and it feels like busier with traffic. But anyway, I'm getting sick and tired, literally, of this fucking snow. It's not fun. And I know some of you out there like to go ice skating and you like to go sledding, you like to go skiing, and you're rooting for the snow. I get it. I just, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I love Buffalo. I truly do, man. You know, I'm born and raised here in Buffalo. I lived here for 40 some years. And then I went to Florida in 2016 and I spent five and a half years there. During that time, I kind of got homesick and there were a lot of factors that led me back to Buffalo in 2021. Being homesick was one of them, but again, just so much love for Buffalo. The people are great. The communities are second to none. Community means something in Buffalo and in other parts of the country, community really doesn't mean a lot. The food is, goes without saying, the best pizza, wings, fingers, subs. Italian food, there's nothing better to me than Buffalo food, especially living and, and being in other areas of the country, man. So I love Buffalo, man. The traffic, you can get to one place 15 different ways. You know, in Florida, if you had to go to certain parts of Florida, if there was a traffic accident on the throughway, you were fucked. You'd be sitting in traffic for three hours and you were going over water. So there was no way around it. In Buffalo, you can navigate around almost anything. So there's so much to like about Buffalo. But this weather, man, I just, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm getting older. It's just getting harder and harder to deal with. I sit home and I don't leave this house. Like, I'm not leaving this house. I'm taping this Tuesday night. There's another snowstorm. They said 20 to 30 more inches coming out here towards West Seneca Orchard Park. Two to three fucking more feet of snow. Dude, I might not leave my house again until Friday. I went shopping. The last two times I've left my house in the last five days now, I've been to get groceries. That's it. That's it. And it's the way it's going to be probably for the next month, month and a half. I just, I don't like going out in this shit unless I have to. And some of you people out there, and credit to you, man, it doesn't bother you. It just bothers the living shit out of me, man. It really does. I, I hate this weather. I hate this freaking snow. It's just ridiculous. And we knew it was coming. I mean, we had a nothing December. I think it snowed maybe once here with, with you know, maybe a couple inches of accumulation at most. So we knew this shit was coming. I knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Doesn't make it any easier uh, to handle. And it's not just me being soft. I mean, quite literally, an NFL football playoff game had to get postponed a day because of the weather. It's not going to happen this time around. But the snow is just going to be so uh, annoying. Anyway, I want to get into today's episode. Enough about me being a little bitch and crying about the weather. This game itself, coming up with Kansas City. Before I get into a, a handful of takeaways that I have from the Pittsburgh game. And, you know, after watching the game, just some observations of mine, uh, I want to I say one thing. 
Yesterday's show, I had my guy Tone Pucks on with me. Tone comes on either immediately after a Bills game or sometimes he'll come on the next night. And we just, we kind of dissect the game and we look forward to it. And one of my favorite things about having my guy Tone on with me is his honesty. You know, I've known Tone. We've been friends for frenemies. We've had our ups and downs through the years, but we've known each other and we've been friends now for 35, 36 years, something like that. So I've known him forever. And if there's one thing about Tone, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Always one or the other, but he's just honest. He will tell you what he's thinking and what he's feeling all the time. And he doesn't put something out there for people to, to like it on Facebook or hit the like button on Twitter or follow him on Twitter. I don't even think he's got 50 followers. And he doesn't give a shit. Does not care. So I respect the hell out of his, his honesty. He's not, unlike me, who gets called pandering pad. And I'm always pandering to, to Bill's fans or in some cases the media or so I'm accused anyway. Tone is just brutally honest, man. He's going to say what he, what he thinks and what he feels. And he really doesn't give a shit whether you like it or not. But anyway, my point is this. I asked him at one point near the end of uh, Tuesday's show, what do you think is at stake for the Bills? Like, how much is at stake with this game against Kansas City? And essentially, and I'm only slightly paraphrasing here, he pretty much said absolutely fucking nothing. In fact, I think that's what he said word for word. And he went on to say that at this point in the season to him, in his mind, the Bills are playing with house money right now. And his reason, and I don't agree, and I'm going to explain to you why in just a second here, but to Tone's point, what he was saying is that the season after the Philly game, they're 6-6, six and six, they lose yet another game that they should have won, just like two weeks before that in Denver, or against Denver at home, they lost in the most improbable fashion imaginable, having too many men on the field for a field goal. But anyway, they're 6-6. Six and six. It feels like that's a wrap. Vaughn Miller gets arrested during the, uh, the bye week. Tyler Dunn's bombshell series drops on Sean McDermott, leaves him having a, to address it at a press conference the next day. It just This team was just a colossal mess, and it would have felt, it did feel like at the time, it was going to take a, a near miracle to even make the postseason. In fact, there was a point, I remember the New York Times, it might have been after they were 6-6, six and 15% six, was their probability to make even make the playoffs. So I get where he's coming from. Because if you take it from that point now, then to where they are now hosting a divisional round playoff game against the Kansas City Chiefs of all teams, he's saying that we're already playing with house money because this season was already over. His mindset and a lot of fans, a lot of media, who knows, maybe even to some extent, a couple of the players, like their mindset was this shit is over. This is a wrap, but it's not. And they're still playing. So his, his model, his mindset is, his glass is still half full and that we're playing with house money. We, we being the bills. I don't agree. Again, I see a side, but my rebuttal to that is this. I don't feel the window right now for the Buffalo bills to get to a Super Bowl. Let's not talk about winning a Super Bowl. Let's, you know, let's, we'll cross that bridge if it comes, but let's talk about getting to the Super Bowl. I feel like right now, as we're having this conversation, as I'm yapping my gums and you are hopefully watching or listening to this, the window is never going to be more wide than it is right now at this very moment. Because if they don't get it done this time around, and I got a couple of reasons why this is so important, why I think there is so much more at stake than Tone Pucks, why I don't think they're playing with house money. Number one, like I said, is the window. It's just wide open right now. First of all, you have a home game in the second round of the playoffs against a team regular season that you've beat in three consecutive years and that their offense is not what it's been over the last handful of years. So you get them at home and you're two games away from going to the Super Bowl. So that automatically alone makes this window wide the hell open. But you look at this roster. If they don't get it done, on Sunday, or if they win on Sunday and they lose the following week, they don't get to the Super Bowl now. They've had a couple of years where 
Brandon Bean has basically had next to no real restrictions with the salary cap, whether it's going out and, and spending huge money to go get a Vaughn Miller, whether it's giving up a first round pick to, for Stefan Diggs and then giving him a big contract, richly deserved, of course, or over like this past season. They didn't sign anybody flashy per se, but Brandon Bean was able to go out and get so many veteran free agents that have contributed mightily some, and in some ways, not as much, but veteran players that cost decent money to, to play on this team this year. I mean, you go up and down the list, man. You got Leonard Floyd, 10 and a half sacks this year. Uh, Linval Joseph, he's a perfect example. You know, he goes down or, the you know, injuries mount. Jaquan Jones goes down earlier in the season, and they signed a guy halfway through the season, like a $3.5 million deal. Um, Puna Ford, brought in for depth. Connor McGovern, starting left guard from day one. Uh, David Edwards, low-key has had a pretty big role on this team, man. He's been basically that sixth offensive lineman this year who's played a lot. He's last year's Bobby Hart, but way better. Um, Trent Shurfield, big touchdown against Miami. Now, again, some of these players haven't done shit for a lot of the season, but they've stepped up in moments, and a lot of them late in the season when it's mattered. So, yeah, Trent Shurfield. Uh, Deontay Hardy, who's had a miserable season until the end, and now he's been really important over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Latavius Murray had it going on early. They still trust him. He's still getting a lot of snaps. He's Josh Allen's most trusted pass-blocking running back. So my point is, these aren't superstar players, but they're veteran free agents, deaf guys, some of them better than others. But Brandon Bean has had that luxury of being able to go out and get a bunch of players like that. Don't know that he's going to be able to do that for the next one or two years after this season because the Bills' salary cap situation, without deep diving into that now, is going to look radically different next year. You know, the Bills are kind of stuck with Dawson Knox for another year. The Bills are kind of stuck with Vaughn Miller for at least another year unless they eat a shitload of dead cap money. Um, Josh Allen's cap number is going to go way up this year. They got some other guys with some pretty big cap numbers. Deion Dawkins, Stephon Diggs. They're going to have a decision to make with uh, with Trey White coming up because he's going to make a lot of money. So there's going to be some tough decisions coming up. And the ability to just go out and fill up your team with as many one-year deals, in a couple of cases, two-year deals with veterans as you need. It's not going to be that simple going forward. So there's that when I'm talking about this window being more open now uh, than at any point. Then you look around at the rest of the AFC. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals are a great team. Um, they've owned the Bills the last couple of years. Joe Burrow gets hurt this year, so that falls into place for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who handled the Bills real easy in London, they just completely collapsed. You got to think that they're going to learn and grow from that. They still got, well, I don't want to call Trevor Lawrence a, a franchise guy. He could be, but that's a good football team right there, and they collapsed. Um, the Miami Dolphins, they collapsed. They're soft as shit. We saw that in Kansas City. Saw that against Buffalo. But they're still a good football team with a lot of talent. Um, you got the, the Cleveland Browns. Tons of injuries. Deshaun Watson got hurt. Who knows? Maybe they're better with Flacco anyway. But that offensive line got ravaged with injuries. Nick Chubb got hurt. One of the best running backs in the NFL. He was out for the year. So Cleveland was down because of a lot of injuries. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Four snaps into the season and this season's over. That derailed the New York Jets this past season. Kansas City Chiefs, the team they're playing here on Sunday. They're still in it. They're still here. But that team has warts. They have flaws. You got to think, win, lose, or draw, no matter where Kansas City, whether it's the end of the road from this Sunday, whether they win the Super Bowl, you got to think they're going to go out and they're going to get better at wide receiver. They're going to get better pass catchers for Patrick Mahomes. So you got these teams, man. This is your shot, you know? So from a team perspective, I feel like there's plenty at stake. Besides the obvious, getting a chance to play for the AFC Championship. That goes without saying. And Toe's not downplaying that for, for what it's worth. But I just feel like it's not house money because you're not, you might not get a better chance during this regime, this era, than you're going to get uh, this year. And for a couple guys, this means a lot to them on a personal level. This game is going to mean a ton to Sean McDermott. You know, this is where... He is, for the most part, the last couple of years, a divisional round where he's gotten stuck. 
He's face planning. He's falling on his face these last couple of years, whether it was getting your team ready to play, which they weren't against the Bengals, whether it was the 13 second collapse in uh, 2021, whether it was a 2020 AFC championship game and the Bills just looked scared almost, at least coaching wise, conservative, scared. So Sean McDermott has done a phenomenal job over the last six weeks getting the Bills to where they are. But he's got a lot to prove. And this game is going to tell us a lot about Sean McDermott. And then to some extent, at least, ditto for uh, for Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen, when he, they could lose this game by 30 against the Chiefs, no one's going to say that Josh Allen is not one of the most talented two to three quarterbacks in the NFL. But, man, you got to beat Pat Mahomes in the playoffs. That's what it comes down to, Josh. You, you got to beat Pat Mahomes in a playoff game. Which again, going back to that wide open window, for the first time since this regime, the Bills got the Chiefs in their house. This has been like the arrowhead open now for fucking five years, it seems. But now you got them coming to your stadium for all the marbles right now. So anyway, Josh Allen's got to beat Pat Mahomes in a playoff game. It's just simple as that. You can win every week, every year. You can win week six, week 12, week 14 in the regular season in Arrowhead, and that's fun. It's fun in the moment, and that's fine. But if you want to be the, 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 the true modern-day Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning, when you got to win. <laughs> because guess what? When Peyton Manning faced off against Tom Brady, he won. Not just in the regular season. He won a couple playoff games, too. So you got to get that victory if you're Josh Allen. You got to be Pat Mahomes. If you really won't truly want this to be Brady versus Manning, you truly want to say Josh Allen, without question, is the best player in the NFL, which I truly believe, skill-wise, he really is. I just think he does things that no one else could do, or he does more things that no one else could do when you package everything. But until you go out and you beat Pat Mahomes, you cannot say that Josh Allen's a better quarterback than Pat Mahomes. You just can't do it. So there's plenty on the line. For, uh, for this football team, besides the obvious fact that it's a fucking AFC divisional round uh, playoff game. Anyway, I'm going to take a real quick break, come back, and then I'm going to start to dive into a, a couple of takeaways from the Pittsburgh game and then kind of circle back here because I got some thoughts on the Kansas City Chiefs as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I'm back here on a Wednesday episode going over some Buffalo Bills takeaways, uh, mainly from the Pittsburgh game, like I said, and going forward quickly here because I don't want this to be too long of an episode. Plus, we got a couple coming up this week, which will really deep dive into the Buffalo-Kansas City game coming up on Sunday. But I wanted to talk about the Bills running game right now because it's not just talk. It's a real thing. And I think the big difference between the 2023 or is it 2024 now, Buffalo Bills, whatever you want to call them, between this year's team, this season's team, and the last couple of years is that the maybe statistically it hasn't looked different, but I feel like this Buffalo Bills football team can run the football effectively when they have to, even if you know it's coming. I feel like this team could do it better than any of the of the past couple seasons. And part of that is because I think this offensive line is the best Bills offensive line during the Josh Allen era, and that plays a big role. But I also like uh, the running backs and, and the usage and the, the way that offensive coordinator Joe Brady is using them. And against Pittsburgh, I felt like that was pretty much on display. You look at the numbers, 34 carries against Pittsburgh, 179 yards, 5.3 yards per carry. And I know the first thought is, well, Josh Allen had that unbelievable 52-yard touchdown run, and that kind of skews the numbers a little bit. By the way, that 52-yard touchdown run by Josh Allen, I am seeing people whine and bitch and moan. Obviously not Bills fans. Fans of other teams, Pittsburgh, Miami, a couple... Miami media people, Joe Shade, just for the love of God, he won't stop fucking tweeting the highlights of it and saying the Josh Allen slide or fake slide in route to the touchdown, and that's why he scored. Just watch the goddamn film, man. I mean, what, what are you talking about? So stupid. But anyway, that aside, take away that run. You take away the 52-yard run. I'm like, well, the running game wasn't that good. Well, still was pretty damn good. Because even if you take away Josh's 52-yard run, they had 33 carries. For 127 yards, 3.9 yards per carry. That's pretty good, especially when you're playing a, a Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And even without TJ Watt, still is respectable. I mean, Cam Hayward is one of the best run stuffers in the NFL. And uh, I thought the Bills did an effective job running the football. I think they did it well enough that it opened up other stuff. I, I think the Bills ran the ball effective enough that the Steelers were forced to respect it, which opened up opportunities in the passing game. I think the Bills had, just in the first half alone, four passing plays of more than 20 yards. And I think in part, that's because the Bills have a legitimate, respectable uh, running game right now. James Cook had 18 carries for 79 yards. To me, James Cook getting 18 carries in a game, that to me, that's ideal. You know, um, I, I watched the film too, by the way, and I also noticed that, when the Bills were protecting a two-score lead late and you knew they were going to pound the ball, it was Ty Johnson actually getting the carries and not James Cook, which I like him for that role too. Ty Johnson's a veteran. You could trust him. Two hands in the football, no no dancing. So right up the middle. I was a little surprised it wasn't Latavius Murray in that situation. I, I feel like Latavius Murray was up for this game and they didn't elevate Leonard Fournette because the other injuries force him to use. You only get two elevations for the practice squad in the playoffs for a playoff game. And they had to use it on a wide receiver and a linebacker because of injuries. I feel like if that wasn't the case, Leonard Fournette would have been up and Latavius Murray would have been inactive. As it turns out, because of all the other injuries, which we'll get to in a second here, uh, Leonard Fournette actually for now is released. He's not even on the practice squad anymore. The Bills are going to need to fill a spot or two in the practice squad, probably with a linebacker or two because of all these injuries. I said it on Twitter on Tuesday. I'll say it here on the show too. Wouldn't be the least bit surprised if the Bills get past Kansas City and if the Bills come out of that relatively healthier, if these guys who are hurt get healthier. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they bring Leonard Fournette back next week 
and the practice squad. And depending on the health situation, could even still get elevated for an AFC championship game or the Bills to get there. But anyway, my point was Latavius Murray really didn't have much of a role in this game other than pass blocking, which they clearly trust him to do more than the other guys. But Ty Johnson was taking some of those reps away, including running with the lead reps. So that was noticeable to me. But like I said, James Cook has some juice. I like the way he looked. And I think it's really critical that the Bills are able to run a football. I'm not, it doesn't excite me. And like, it's not the most exciting brand of Bills football. I get that. But depending on who they're playing, Kansas City this week, for sure. Sustaining drives matters. Having balance matters. Making the defense respect the run enough that you could open up the passing game. All that shit matters, man. So I was impressed with the running game. Also really impressed, as I'm sure all you were as well, Khalil Shakir and Dalton Kincaid. Uh, good things are just happening with these guys when they get the football. Shakir, three catches, 31 yards. We saw the touchdown. Couldn't believe it. He thought he was down. What an unbelievable demonstration of balance by Khalil Shakir. And then a quick juice move too, man. That, that, that was fun to see, but... He's a good slot guy. He's just making things happen. You know, I remember him being drafted last year in the fifth round, and the book on him was good talent, felt like a steal. I remember hearing the word steal a ton when the Bills drafted Khalil Shakir. Heard that all the time. We got a steal in the fifth round. Developmental guy, going to take some time. It's funny because quite literally, that's how it was played out. He was a developmental guy. Well, guess what? We're in the 2023-2024 NFL playoffs. And Khalil Shakir has developed. He's developed into a really good slot receiver. A very trusty slot receiver. A guy, one of the few on this team, quite frankly, that could catch the ball with a little bit of open space, make you miss, and pick up some yards after the reception. He's been a big part of this offense improving over the second half of the year. You go back to last week against Miami when they had to win to, to win the division. Six catches for 105 yards. Nice 46-yarder down the sideline. A huge third-down conversion against the Chargers that set up a winning field goal. So Khalil Shakir has come up money, money over this last month. Could be more impressed with him. And Dalton Kincaid, you know, early in the season, he was putting up numbers. And you look at the season total, and it's really impressive. Certainly some catches, smashing tight end records, destroying rookie records. That's impressive in its own. But like early in the season, it was kind of like almost safety valve catches. You know, just quick little three hours in the flat. Josh looking back, just dumping it off, taking the safe pass, hitting the tight end, Dalton Kincaid for 48 yards. That's what it felt like a lot of. But that's not really the case anymore, man. He's turned into a, a legitimate threat. That touchdown down the seam, 29-yarder to him. They make it 14-0 on Sunday. First of all, you cannot throw a football. It's not possible to throw a football better. And Josh Allen threw that ball to uh to Kincaid on Sunday. But he made a nice catch. And he's just, my point is, he, he's a big-time threat right now. Touchdown here. He had a 51-yarder against the Dolphins last week. He's had at least 59 yards receiving in three straight games. So getting Shakir going, getting Dalton Kincaid going, it, it takes some of the pressure off Stefan Diggs. It makes you not have to play Dawson Knox as much, which is fine with me. Um, it eases the sting of Gabe Davis not having a big year statistically like we all thought that he was going to. So just the, the, the running game for the Bills and the emergence of Shakir and Dalton Kincaid has made all the difference in this team. That, of course, Josh Allen being able to run the football, which, again, this all seemed to start. And I don't like to give Joe Brady too much credit, but he deserves it because all this shit got going when he became offensive coordinator. And by the way, the early game strip against Pittsburgh to perfection, those first two drives, especially that first drive, you want to talk about pre-scripted play calling precision. That's what it was, man. So huge props to Joe Brady uh, for that. And again, as for Josh Allen's touchdown run, we could talk about that for eternity. But you know what I like to do? When I go back and watch highlights of the game or I watch a game in its entirety or I watch the All-22 film, I like to look at big plays that in the moment, you're just so excited. Like Josh is breaking free and you're like, go, 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 go. And we all get fired up and we're high-fiving 
whoever we're watching the game with or yelling at the TV, whatever it may be, you're, you're just jacked up. And sometimes in those biggest plays, the big moments, you kind of don't pay much attention and you miss out on some of the little things that spring those big plays. And when I go back and I rewatch that game and I watch the Josh Allen run many times because it was fun as hell to watch. But even besides that, I'm just looking for little stuff. And I, and I found it, man. A couple guys, three to be precise, really contributed to that run with, I don't know, not, not like big crushing blocks by any means, but just little blocks, enough to, to get their hands on somebody to slow them down and, and make them unable to, to, uh, to make the play. First one was um, Osiris Torres, the rookie guard. Uh, he had the spy, Rowe, I think Eric Rowe. Yeah, Eric Rowe, the spy for Pittsburgh. He was spying Josh Allen on the play. And, and, and Torrance got him at the line of scrimmage, hands on him, really close to a holding penalty, by the way. Not called, but it wouldn't have been an, it wasn't like an egregious hold, could have went either way. But anyway, that mattered. That got Josh going, got him some steam going. And then two guys down the field, ironically enough, you know, the Bills' fifth receiver and the guy who was on the Bright squad last week, uh, Deontay Hardy gets a body on. On Patrick Peterson, and Patrick Peterson, by the way, had a brutal game for Pittsburgh. But anyway, Deontay Hardy gets just enough of Peterson. And Isabella gets just enough of former Bills corner Levi Wallace that neither of those guys can make a play. And then Josh just straights up. That number 23, uh, God, I wrote his name down. I can't, I, I don't remember who it was anymore. But anyway, it was number 23 for Pittsburgh, man. Just didn't want him, man. He hit Josh and he just bounced right off his ass. But anyway, Isabella, Hardy, uh, Osiris Torrance, key blocks on the Josh Allen touchdown. I said Peterson had a really shitty game, and he did. On the Bills' first touchdown, the, the pass to Dawson Knox. And again, you go back in the film, you watch this. Um, the play call, James Cook goes out to the left flat. Josh Allen feigns like he's going to him. He's looking at Cook, and that draws Peterson over for just a split second, allowing Knox to get between the safety and him. Josh Allen, good throw. Bam. Uh, easy touchdown. Quickly here, defensive side of the ball, I got to say, because I'm so rough on him every week, I thought Vaughn Miller actually had a pretty good game. 25 snaps, he played 38% of the snaps uh, on Sunday, and we all saw that he, he should have had a sack. He, he pushed Mason Rudolph, and we're like, what the hell is going on here? Um, I think he thought that Mason Rudolph already got rid of the ball because he was getting blocked, and then turned around and he was there, so he pushed him, didn't want to hit him, thinking it might be a penalty because he got rid of the ball, but he didn't. Anyway, should have been a snack. But anyway, that aside, I like what I saw from him. For the first time this season, I saw a lot of juice in his pass rush, at least a good handful of reps anyway, where he, I saw one inside move where he he twirled inside. Uh, he's a little bit of a swim move with just a little bit of shoulder bend. So I hope this means going forward. And it was the right call. And, you know, I said it too last week that Vaughn Miller should play. Because he got benched with two weeks left in the season. Turns out that was kind of like a kick-in-the-ass wake-up call. He did play against Miami, but didn't do shit. But I'm like, at this point, playoffs, let's see if he could turn up. He didn't get a sack. Did get a couple pressures, though. And I thought he played pretty well. So that, to me, is promising going into to the Kansas City game. Look, for all the shit and shit like Vaughn Miller's played like shit on the field and for all the bullshit that he's done off the field, that he may or may not ultimately get away with, and that'll be addressed, and we'll deal with that another time. But anyway, if Vaughn Miller can come out and have a significant play against Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, that'll make up for a lot of shit, at least on the field stuff anyway, for what Vaughn Miller has been this season. So if he's going to do it, Sunday against Pittsburgh was the first time where it looks like he has the capability to uh, to do it. Um, I mentioned Deontay Hardy too. Uh, I, another big play on Sunday. Obviously, he may have saved the Bills' season with the punt return to Miami. Also had a big 34-yard catch here against Pittsburgh that led, led to a, a field goal attempt for the Buffalo Bills. More on that in just a second. So I like Deontay Hardy. And then on the defensive side, another guy individually I wanted to, to, to shout out a little bit is Dorian Williams who might play a lot against Kansas City, forcing them to line up because of these uh, injuries at linebacker. You watch, he's really good athletically, man. And you saw it a couple times against Pittsburgh, just getting sideline to sideline. He could make plays. The physical talent is there. His problem is 
the mental mistakes, not, you know, you know, hitting the wrong gap, missing an assignment, and Sean McDermott having a very, very, very short leash with him as a rookie this season. But you can see the physical ability that he has, and I feel like that shined a handful of times um, against Pittsburgh. And with a week of preparation where he might be forced to play snaps, significant snaps, and possibly even start, depending on how things play out, um, I'm at least a little bit more optimistic that he got a lot of game playoff reps against Pittsburgh. If he had any jitters, he probably got those out, and he'll have a week of prep. I always feel good about Sean McDermott coaching the guy up. So that was encouraging to see. Uh, just a couple bad things, a couple bad takeaways, nothing crazy uh, from this game. Dawson Knox, first drive of the second half, first throw from Josh Allen, right in his hands, 12 yards down the field, perfect throw, no one near him. I should say no one near him, but no one contesting the ball, and he just fucking dropped it. That's annoying, and it's just oh, a bad drop. You just you can't trust Dawson Knox. That's what it comes down to. And if you can't trust a guy, how many snaps can you give him when the game's on the line? You know, if the Bills find themselves in a situation where they're tied or down in the last five minutes of a game and you need somebody who's going to make a play, do you even have Dawson Knox on the field? If they, I just, I saw a stat I don't have in front of me, but I know the Bills did not run a lot of 12 personnel. There was not a lot of Dawson Knox and, uh, and Dalton Kincaid on the field at the same time. I think it might've been only like four snaps that they actually played together. Far and away, their lowest of the season. It's kind of been, if they got one tight end, Dalton Kincaid starting to take over more of those. And I think that's the way it's probably going to be down the stretch if the Bills are throwing the ball late because I just simply cannot trust uh, Dawson Knox. Speaking of not trusting, I'm a little bit worried about Tyler Bass. Um, that was, it, he missed a chip shot field goal that would have put them up three scores and put the game on ice. Uh, the, the field goal, 49 yards in that condition, not no easy task at all, but he kicked that low and got blocked. A couple extra points that barely snuck through. They looked like they weren't going to be good, so I'm suddenly a little bit worried, especially if the weather is bad about uh, Tyler Bass, and I don't like that. And last thing, and this is a little bit nitpicky because it wasn't bad, but I didn't think the Bills' pass rush, especially when they were only rushing four, was all that effective. They only sacked Mason Rudolph once. I feel like that should have been at least four to five times. Um, Ed Oliver had a lot of pressures. Like I said, Bob Miller had a couple. Greg Rizzo did get a sack, and I thought he played well, but want to see a little bit more. Going to need to see a little bit more from uh, the Bills' front four this Sunday against the Chiefs. The biggest takeaway, the biggest thing from this game, besides winning the game, because if you lose, the season's over and nothing else we talk about matters, but the win aside, the second most important thing to me is the injuries. Uh, Terrell Bernard, especially. Terrell Bernard, when he got hurt, I'm watching the game in my living room wearing a baseball cap. I literally took my cap off, slammed it to the ground. That is, uh, we, Terrell Bernard is one of a handful of guys that the Bills could afford to lose uh, the least. I can't believe I'm saying that shit. If you would have told me I'd be saying that before week one, I would have said, you're out of your fucking mind. Terrell Bernard is starting let alone becoming a must-have player. But that's a, a terrible injury for the Bills at the worst time, obviously. The good news is he got carted off. It sure as shit looked like his ankle was broke. I'm like, that's done. In fact, Tone Pucks and I went live just minutes after the game on Monday, and I talked as if the season was over. This was before any information came out about him. I'm like, dude's done. That sucks. Turns out he might not be done. Sprained ankle. Sean McDermott did not, he said everybody was day to day. He didn't call anybody week to week um, in his Zoom presser on Tuesday afternoon. That's encouraging. Said he would evaluate people more, especially Bernard, or including Bernard, I should say tomorrow, tomorrow being Wednesday. And I uh, will start to learn more. My guess is Bernard's definitely not playing against the Chiefs. If they could get past the Chiefs, I would consider if he's got probably got a high ankle sprain, you know, minimum two to four weeks. So, I can't see him being back for the Baltimore game either. But if the Bills get to the Super Bowl somehow, Terrell Bernard just may be back. So that's encouraging. But it really sucks for this game because he's such a critical piece. And Christian Benford hurt his knee. That's another big piece. Uh, big piece. Christian Benford, low-key, has been really, really good all season long. Not that I don't think Dane Jackson can get the job done, but Christian Benford has been solid as rock. And he got hurt. He didn't return. Knee injury, um, no real update on him yet. So concerned about that. 
Teron Johnson, who got named All-Pro slot corner just a couple of days ago, concussion. Uh, he is in protocol. Sean McDermott said that on Tuesday. That's extremely worrisome. I would argue that you can almost flip a coin between who you'd rather have less out with an injury between Jerome Bernard and Teron Johnson, and the Bills could be without both of them on Sunday. So that really sucks. You got to hope he can clear protocol. Uh, this is the second time in concussion protocol. So I don't know how that works, but I do know, or I suspect strongly if this is your second go around with protocol, uh, the parameters to, to clear it are probably going to be more strict uh, than the first time. Bale Inspector, who did some good things against Miami, got the start against Pittsburgh. He left with the back. And this is a team that was already without Gabe Davis going into the game, without Taylor Rapp going into the game, without Terrell Dodson, without Rasul Douglas. So in the last two weeks, man, this, this team has become the walk-in wounded, especially on defense. There was a point in the second half of this football game, you're trying to close the game out, a playoff game too, and you got on the field at the same time, Kyrie Elam, uh, Cam Lewis, Damar Hamlin, Dorian Williams, A.J. Klein, all in the field at the same time. That's some scary shit, man. You can get away with that when you're playing the Mason Rudolphs of the world. Not sure if you're going to get away with that playing against Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs. They got to get at least some of these guys back. They're not going to get them all back. But they got to get at least some. Uh, it looks promising. Rasul Douglas told Tim Graham from The Athletic that he will be playing on Sunday. That's huge because now you got Rasul Douglas and Dane Jackson out there as opposed to Kyrie Elam. And I know Kyrie Elam had an interception. It was a nice moment, a nice play for him. But I don't want Kyrie Elam on the football field if it's at all avoidable. So Douglas will be back. Dodson could be back. I, I feel like there's a decent chance that he could be back. Anyone else we'll talk about uh, throughout the week. So what I want to speculate. Oh, one other person. I heard, duh. The, the punter, Sam Martin. He even he pulled his goddamn hamstring. The Bills might have to sign a punter by the time you listen to this sometime on, on Wednesday, the Bills may have a new punter because we don't know if Sam Martin is going to be able to punt. So that's something to be concerned about too, not to mention Sam Martin also holds kicks for uh, for Tyler Bass. So it's like when it rains, it pours with injuries. The Bills got murdered early on. You know, weeks four and five, they lose these key players. Then they go through a stretch where they were relatively healthy. They get Daquan Jones back. And then... Uh, Bam, at the end of the season, um, it just it, it starts pouring on them again. Which, by the way, one other thing I forgot, Jordan Phillips has been on IR. This was his fourth game. He could be eligible to come back, and that would be a big boost for the Bills' pass rush if he could. But I didn't hear anything about him, so we'll see how it plays out with him uh, during the week. Last point here, then I want to get out of here because I'm going to save a lot of the Kansas City Chiefs stuff for uh, my conversations with Anthony Marino tomorrow and then Nate Gary on a Friday show. But the Chiefs? You know, I, I look at them, and they smacked the shit out of Miami, but I knew that was going to happen. Miami was a defeated team before they even stepped in that stadium. From the moment they lost against the Buffalo Bills at Hard Rock, their season was toast. They were done. They were never going to go into Kansas City in that frigid weather and play that kind of gritty football that it took to, to stay with the Chiefs. So that was my lock of the year. Never doubt in that game. Anyway, uh... I look at the Chiefs' totality, not just specifically that game. And I look at a team that I'm more concerned about their defense than their offense, which is funny when the team's got Bama Holmes and Travis Kelsey and you're saying that, but it's true. Chiefs have played 18 games this season, including the Miami playoff game. They've allowed 25 points or fewer in all but one of them. 17 out of 18 games, they've allowed 25 points or fewer. Green Bay put up 27 on them. That was the most they gave up the entire season. So for people out there saying, well, the Bills are going to beat the Chiefs, Josh Allen, they're going to have to score 40. Well, I'm not saying the Bills can't score 40, but even if they score 30, it'll be the first time anybody has put 30 on the Chiefs all season long. Just something to keep in mind, man. Um, I think Lajerius uh, Sneed might be the best corner in the NFL right now. I know everyone says Sauce Gardner or Sauce Gardner, first team all pro. I get all that. I think Janarius Snee might even be better. He did a really good job the first time he played against uh, Stefan Diggs. He was phenomenal against Tyree Kill last week in Kansas City. He's a beast. He's a stud, man. Trent McDuffie's really good. Eric Reed's good safety, or Justin Reed, I'm sorry. 
That's a really good secondary that the Chiefs have. We all know about Chris Jones. Chris Jones has dominated the Bills at times, especially that 2020 AFC Championship. He's he's uh he's uh in a, in a league of his own at defensive tackle. He just plays so good against the Bills. He owns the Bills. Um, who's the other young kid? Georgia Carl Aftonis. He's he he's really good. Uh, Bolton's a really good linebacker. Uh, Tranquil's not a bad linebacker. Uh, Willie Gay's not bad. So that team is really good defensively. They're one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, flip side, offense has not been good all season. They've only scored 28 or more points three times in 18 games. The uh, the scary thing about them, though, is this Rashi Rice, this rookie. This, he has really emerged, man. He's come on, you know, for most of the season. There's been nobody on the Chiefs that you could trust their receiver, but that's not the case anymore. They still got a collection of stiffs that you don't trust. Tony, uh, Scantling, a couple other guys, Watson, the younger, the younger kid too. You just, you can't really trust those dudes. McCall Hardman, they'll make a play here and there, but you don't trust them. But Rashid Rice is becoming a beast. Uh, eight catches for 130 yards against Miami and a touchdown last week. He had five catches for a buck 27 a couple weeks ago when they beat the Bengals to, to clinch the division. His last seven games, 51 catches, 648 yards, and four touchdowns, which is funny because he's kind of, uh, he has supplanted Travis Kelsey as the biggest weapon in this offense, man. Kelsey, last seven games, just 36 catches, 414 yards, and no touchdowns. So seven straight games without a score for, uh, for Travis Kelsey. And then the running game, Isaiah Pacheco, man. That dude runs so hard. He runs angry, man. Angry runs. Isaiah Pacheco. He had 89 yards in a tutty against Miami. He could factor big into this game. You know the Chiefs, just like the Bills want to run the ball and keep Mahomes off the field and sustain drives and have balance, you can bet your ass the Chiefs are going to have the same philosophy going into Orchard Park um, on Sunday. Pacheco's ran for at least 89 yards in four of his last six games. And it's uh, worth noting, too, that when the Bills beat them by a field goal earlier this season, Isaiah Pacheco did not play in that football game. So anyway, that's your first look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Big couple days coming up here on the podcast. Big, uh, a big week for Buffalo. Hopefully this goddamn snow. If you're in the South Towns, it slows down a little bit. Last I heard, it's supposed to keep going all the way until uh, Thursday night. I say that because I just I want the weather to be good enough that I could get out of the house, that I could get to Casey's BlackRock and do this live show with uh, with Nate. And even if we can't do a live at, at Casey's because of the weather, which would be really, really disappointing, I'll still at least have them on uh, remotely. But anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you all one more time for watching. Follow me on Twitter, at Patrick Moran TV. That's also my handle on Instagram. I should start promoting Instagram. I, I have an IG, but... I pretty much, <laughs> I never use it. Well, I do throw up clips now and then on there. Anyway, thank you very much. I'll be back. Brand new episode, Bill's Cheese Preview with my guy, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings tomorrow. Talk to you then.